I'm Jake Thompson, and this is the Better Than Yesterday podcast. What's up? Welcome back. You are another day better, and this is the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host each week, Jake Thompson, and I'm excited to be able to welcome to the show this week, Jeremy Teal of CrossFit Central and the Amplify podcast. Jeremy and I have had the pleasure of knowing each other since really 2011, uh, when he and Webb Smith and Zach Evanesh launched a conference in Austin around South by Southwest called Real Biz Uncensored. It was at that event, uh, going through the, the weekend's worth of content, listening to Gary Vaynerchuk come and talk, that I was in turn pushed toward the direction of starting Compete Every Day as the lifestyle brand you've seen it develop over the last six years. Before that, it was simply a screen name and it was kind of a project and a message, but had no legs to it. Um, And so it's been fun over the last few years while our business and brand has grown to be able to see Jeremy's businesses and brands grow with CrossFit Central, with the Fittest Games, and, and now with his latest pet project, the Amplify Podcast. We sit down, we talk family life. We talk productivity and leadership, uh, and really the mindset shifts Jeremy has made over the last handful of years uh, that's been exciting to watch him grow as a leader in the health, wealth, health, wellness, and fitness industries. And so I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. Uh, If you haven't checked us out yet, visit betterthanyesterdaypodcast.com. And if you're loving the shows, if you're hating the shows, I'd love if you took a few minutes left us a review on iTunes. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of, what you want to hear less of, so that we can craft this show around what best helps you compete for your best life. I'll quit rambling. Let's welcome Jeremy in. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm joined today with longtime friend Jeremy Till of Austin. Jeremy, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I, feel, I feel like I should ask you, pessimist or optimist, just like you did me to to kick things off. That's a great question. I would think I'm more of a uh, what is that called the the emo kid. I'm an emo kid inside. <laughs> uh, so that's like in between uh, pessimist optimist. Um, I grew up. Um, I'm the youngest of five, and so um, and I got picked on when I was a kid. That kind of is my story. And I kind of had started this feeling sorry for yourself type of thing when I was a, a younger, you know, teenager. And I kind of grew into that like emotional, emo, Philly type of person. And so I dealt really, I did deal with depression um, in my, like when I went through transitions from high school to college. And, and I listened to all the like emotional, emo type of music. And um, it was funny because I remember a real decisive day in college. I think I was a junior, uh, maybe it was my sophomore year, and I was I went to Texas State, which was Southwest. And we have like the main track in the campus, and I was just sitting there, and I was like, "It's like screw this, man! Like why? Like it was like this moment of just like I'm not gonna feel sorry. Like I'm if I go to pouting, I'm just gonna stop and just move on. And like it was a real decisive. I was in the quad sitting at one of the fountains. If anybody's a Texas State guy, they know the quad. Um, And it was like a real decisive moment. Um, And I was into self-development and learning early on, like early days in college. I remember I read Scott Peck's uh, 
Um, the Road Less Travel was like a first book I got introduced to about uh, self-growth. But anyways, um, so I, I think I would be in the middle at emo, but I'm um, super positive, outgoing, uh, not very cynical, but uh, maybe high on like the radio head. If that, that was a long answer to you, but uh, <laughs> no, my, I, I love, I actually like that answer. And I wanted to ask before we dive in a little, your background, learning to manage some of those emotions and, and take, I would say control of what you're feeling. Have you seen how much that's impacted you later on? Because I mean, I know bef- for people that are listening, like you've been CrossFit athlete, like you've gone to the games, you, you've done that and transitioning to coach and business owner. I mean, from my personal experience, transitioning away from sports and when I was playing and where my identity was so wrapped up, like that was one of my lowest points just emotionally because I had my identity wrapped in that and I just, I struggled from a depression standpoint of who was I? And and so going Mm -hmm. through that, when you were talking about it and making those conscious decisions, do you think it helped you during some of those transition phases later in life? Um, absolutely. You know, I just turned 35 this year and, um, as funny, I've, I've really felt a maturing process occur from my late twenties into my thirties, a very transitional period. Um, now where I'm just finding a new reservoir of confidence and understanding emotions, um, understanding how they impact you and how you choose to make decisions off of those. Um, you know, when it comes back to the physical body and the hormonal response, I've been really studying hormones and um, in the sense of, you know, how we're really in control of really when I started to, uh, I guess, you know, just really learn about breath. I've gotten really into breath training um, over the past year and how much our breath really, I really believe I used to be um, so charged in the um fight or flight state in the sense of being very aggressive to override my emotions. So I think a lot of uh, business entrepreneurs, A-types drive drive through barriers, right? They try to run them over. And I was that person. I was like, and but at a certain point that could uh, work You and you need to do that sometimes. But I found that if I was doing it all the time, they say like, if you have the tool, a hammer and you use that tool for everything, it uh, can be, become destructive. Um, And so now reverting back to um, some basic protocols of breath training, uh, I've really figured out for myself personally how that is kind of the gas pedal that I work these days because out of bringing myself into more present state through breathing, and I use the Wim Hof method for um, breathing cycles that I practice, um, has really reorchestrated my whole perception of reality. And, uh, you know, and it really comes back to what happens when you use the Wim Hof method and how it starts to affect your hormones. Because really, when you start to think about emotions, you're really started, you're thinking about if you get down to the basic, and I'm not an expert in this, and um, if there's any experts in this arena, you know, the terminology and all that is not there for me yet. It's a study of mine. Um, currently, but if you look at um, highs and lows and depression and emotions, you're really talking about hormonal, um, you know, secretion and, and releasing of hormones. And um, once we can gain control of how what's driving the release of hormones, we step back from okay, I'm mentally going to take control of this situation with my mindset. 
But if you dial it back two steps behind that curtain and we start looking at hormones and how hormones are being regulated through our own system, which if you go and study a little bit on Wim Hof, he'll start to talk to you about how breathing cycles can start to give you control of the autonomic nervous system. And so now when you start to really break this down, and this is some high level, um, um, you know, I think uh, biohacking, if you will, in the sense of how you can start to really become um, in charge of your life and not let external things and then internal things dictate you. And so, you know, um, so I look back on my life and things that someone, people ask me questions, you know, um, what would you tell your younger self? And I would really, if I could teach my younger self breath training, um, and how that to go through cycles of breathing before I was making decisions and how I was operating, it would have drastically altered my decision making in a very positive way. Because I wouldn't have told myself not to make this decision and not to make that decision. I would have said, hey, you focus on 30 minutes a day of breath cycles and um, really getting mentally present and physically, emotionally present, um, your decisions will be world class. And then from that, a lot of better decision-making would have occurred, and then it w I don't know where it would have put me, but I can know that it wouldn't have altered my decisions in the sense of don't do this, do that, but maybe a wiser choice-making process. What, what inspired or motivated you to eventually start pursuing knowledge and a change in behavior down this path? You know, I think it comes back to what Tony Robbins talks about, and I'm a student of Tony Robbins, is pain and pleasure. So pain is what caused me to move to, to this area because, you know, as, as you said, it, you know, being an athlete, so I was a high school athlete, played football, that was my identity, you know, bridge into college, um, I didn't, I looked at some small two-way college football programs to get a part of, but I just wanted to change my life, I wanted to redirect where I was going, and when I lost that football as my identity, I really started to kind of spiral out of control. And, um, and, and so as I fast forward into when I found CrossFit, I started to find that I found a new identity as a CrossFit athlete, you know, and as from 2007 to 2012, once I started to lose, like you're aging, you're not as fit that other athletes are getting better. It's like, who am I in this space? Um, and then really what happened for me too, though, is that I was an adrenaline junkie, you know, and, uh, and so I was hot, big on caffeine, big on go, and nonstop, full tilt, 24-7. And uh, it caught up to me because I had a uh, my first child, who's now four, with my wife, Lisa, and now I have a one-year-old, and I'm married. And so what worked in my 20s didn't work in my 30s. And it was like running my head into a brick wall because my body was starting to not operate really well. Like I was just feeling fatigued all the time. Um, I wasn't showing up as the best husband I could be because I was agitated. It could cause fights faster. And I was like, I got to get control of what's happening with me physically, emotionally. And how can I do that? And um, really, you know, I'm a spiritual person, a prayerful person. And I felt like, you know, this cycle of breathing was something that was given to me because you know, I was first, I think about when I first would think about, I kind of have my top five of things that you need to implement to have physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual transformation. 
And um, I would first go to food, then I would go to health and wellness and fitness in the sense of changing that dynamic. Um, but now I put first and foremost, if a person can breathe, change their breathing pattern, they, can, they will change their physiological state and then they'll change the way that they consume food and they'll change the way they exercise. So breathing is the crux to a lot of creation mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And so through my journey, and I've always been a self-seeker um, in um, self-development and spiritual um, growth and all that stuff. And so I think my path and journey has led me to this point where I am today. And so I think I answered your question. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I like it. I was just intrigued by kind of what caused that shift. And, and we really just jumped into the call today without kind of sharing a little bit about you. And, and so you're someone that, man, we've known each other since probably 2010. And, and I've seen you, you've owned, you've built, you've sold you, multiple brands and companies uh, and so before we kind of dive into what you're doing now, give us just a brief overview uh, of kind of your experience after college in building a very fit community within Austin. Absolutely. So, you know, it was, it was again, I've been in this space of health and wellness pretty much my whole life. And so I like to rewind it back and talk about when I was a kid in between the ages of 10 to 12, I was picked on by my brother and his friends. And they were just, it's kind of naturally what happens, you know, is they weren't being you know, malicious or just trying to hurt me. They were just being big brothers and friends, right? So they would call me chunk and, and pick on me. And so I internally remember making, taking a vow that I was never gonna be overweight and I was gonna show everybody. That was just my, that was my deal. And so from there, my family's very healthy and fit. My father works out um, on a daily basis. Every one of my brothers and sisters played um, some sort of organized sport. And so it was just who I was. And I really dove headfirst into it and started to study um, nutrition. And I, I would go to the magazine shop and read the magazines. And I would study Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia Bodybuilding. And when I was, this is literally when I'm 13 and 14 years old. And when I was 15 years old, I got my hands on a binder that the Texas Tech strength conditioning coach made for nutrition and training. Um, from one of my brother's friends, um, you know, they were already 18, 19 and they, I got out of my hands and I just started to devour this content. And, uh, and so that was my high school experience with playing high school football in Texas, powerlifting. And then fast forward in the college years, I worked at strength conditioning program called power plant in West Texas. So in the summer we'd run, um, eight week programs for the high schools and I would come back to my high school and work with the kids and, um, and I was really passionate about it. And I got introduced to kettlebells like in 2003, um, just early on, um, but from some other friends. So I got, I kind of was firsthand to this knowledge and information at a very early age. And so um, fast forward to 2005, uh, my friend Lance Cantu, who was a level one um, CrossFit trainer staff, um, uh, and he recently stepped down from that position, but he had given me, he sent me an email when he was on a boat to, um, uh, his first service in, um, Iraq and he had run into a woman, um, that knew about CrossFit or her husband did CrossFit and they're out of Oklahoma. And, um, he just sent me an email fitness, a hundred words or less and sent me kind of like the philosophy of CrossFit. So I got on the website, looked it up and, and um, I looked at my sister who was a private trainer here in Austin and said, Hey, we can do this. And they have an affiliate program, you know, it's 500 bucks. 
um, let's go get certified and, and open a gym here in Austin. And she was a private trainer. She's like, sure, let's go do it. And we went to Golden, Colorado, and I think it was November of 2005. And I walked through the doors, you know, everybody who's who of CrossFit from that day, from Glassman, um, from Annie Sakamoto, Sakamoto uh, Nicole Carroll, uh, um, Josh Everett, uh, Greg Amison, um, and a lot of the early, you know, first 50 affiliates were there in the room. And I was just, I, I saw the future I, in that room. I was like, this is it. This will be the next 10 years. Like, and so I started, that was when we came back to Austin. We started our, our box. Um, really, we started outdoor boot camps. Uh, we did, did that for a year and a half growing outdoors because I was scared to um, sign a lease to pay for anything. Like, it was really scary, you know? And so we go, I go, okay, let's do outdoor boot camps and get over 100 clients so we have cash flow because I bootstrapped from day one built equipment as I went and about a year and a half in, we signed our first sublet from true trainers here in Austin. We leased out 600 square feet. Uh, it was two roll up doors and we opened that up and it took us back then in 2005 to 2009 to build the indoor clients. It took us about 16 months to build 70 um, CrossFit athletes. While we still had built our outdoor boot camp, now we're around 150 outdoor boot campers which again, there was no overhead. So we had good solid cash flow. The gym clients were paying those bills and, and essentially the same kind of story. We outgrew the space, the trainers were annoyed. We were grabbing their their plates from their training space that weren't supposed to be on hard service, scratch up, dropping deadlifts. And they're like, hey, this isn't working anymore, you know? And so uh, we leased our first, our original Burnett Road location, 3,500 square feet in about, I think it was 2009. And from there, from 2009 to 2012, just we had skyrocket growth. You know, we went from probably about 300 boot campers athletes to 2012, 800, 900 athletes. Wow. So, I mean, somebody can do the math. I mean, we, we were growing at 100, 200, 300%, um, adding coaches and staff out of control. Like it was, it was um, a very unique time um, in the city of Austin. And with our community, and it was it was electric. I mean, you just felt it. Um, and so, when you get it from 2005 to 2012, um, I was 24 when I started, and then about 2012, I said I was 32, and I was married, and then I was um, our first kid was coming. So life changes were starting to happen, and that's where really I think from 2012 to 2016, now into 17. That three-year window, I really, I would say I had somewhat of a, I would say like a professional um, crisis in the sense of like, you know, who am I? Where am I going? A lot of my coaches had been with me for five to seven years, kind of that five to seven-year itch. Like, what are we doing next? And people that have gone and opened up their own gyms successfully, um, you know, at the time was really hard because I thought, you know, we're going to do this forever and you have this like long-term vision. It's like, hey, you know, the road changes and things change. Uh, and so that kind of has brought me to where we are now, you know, and really kind of in this past year really found now with two kids, married, and seeing Austin become the city it is. Like I have a new refreshed vision of this city. And also it kind of relates to where I am physically with my own training, my own breath training, my own 
um, seeing the markets change because in a 10 year period in fitness, you know, trends change and where the market's going. So now I kind of have a fresh vision of where I'm going because I don't do real good doing what everyone else is doing. Uh, I like to be a forerunner and be dynamic and see what's next. And we really have a new dynamic with our gyms. Kind of wrapping up with CrossFit, you know, we downtown, we uh, are, uh, we just resurfaced about uh, 6,000 square foot space outdoors. We're going to resurface um, AstroTurf down here. We're putting in um, dry saunas. We're going to bring in ice baths for um, the hot cold therapy training. We're going to have an outdoor space. Um, just consistently pushing, um, you know, the ball down the field in the sense of functional fitness and recovery training. And also, you know, I've partnered with Jesse O'Brien, who um, runs my central athlete business. We're partners with that. We're partnered with James Fitzgerald with OPEX. Um, we're one of the fifth affiliates with the OPEX um, gym model that has recently opened up. And I think they have a wait list of over 100 um, gyms waiting to join that program. And so as I look out in the future, I think OPEX is going to be uh, the gold standard when it comes to trainers in the functional fitness space moving in the next decade. And we're at the forefront of that uh, with Jesse. And he's like he's the mastermind behind that. And I saw it. So I jumped on with that. Our business has grown in the last two months. That business has grown 30 uh, percent. The first two years that we were doing it, no one really knew what it was. This is our third year. And we're starting to see massive growth. And so from the gym space, you know, and then just talking like you're saying, this is our 10th year of the fittest games. Um, we've seen that grow from uh, 2008 when we started with, you know, 30 people participating. This year we'll have 750 athletes. We're looking at over, you know, 2,500, 3,000 spectators coming. We have a full-blown obstacle course this year that the spectators can participate in. Um, so all of that is kind of coming um, you know, full circle and kind of like what our vision is just to continue to impact people's lives. But, uh, and you launched the podcast and launched the podcast. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that a lot of what you're doing with compete every day is inspiration on our end. And I was running yesterday. I went on a, a run and, and I was really, you know, I like to get crystallized in my vision and where we're going and what we're doing. Um, and, and really what has hit me in the last six months is the human story. And, and you look at one book I read when I was 21, it was really impact was wild at heart. Um, wrote, uh, John Eldridge wrote that book and it, it really changed my life. My mom gave it to me for my 21st birthday. And it was funny because at four months later I dropped out of college. <laughs> she didn't, she didn't know that book was going to do that, uh, for me. Um, that was my junior going in my senior year. I decided not to do my senior year in college. Um, and pursue entrepreneurship. Uh, but anyways, John Eldridge talks about, you know, you're the William Wallace of your story. Um, and also people like, uh, you know, Joe Rogan has the one like, uh, I think you are, you know, you're the one or like he has a military slant to it. But what I've really learned in the 35 years I've been on this earth is that everyone has a story, you know, and it's the human story of, of just why do we do, you know, I find things pointless. Like, why are we working out so hard? I was, these are questions I would ask her. What's the point of, you know, football in the professional league? It's, it's just a bunch of men playing sport, but it's really about the human story, you know? And as I think about the Amplify podcast, I interview individuals, talk to them about best practices, hear their stories. And, and it was really an experiment over the, since June to now 
And now it's like, you know, it's the kind of that ready aim fire type of protocol. Like, what are we doing with it? We don't really know, but we're learning. And now as I get more passionate of the direction we're going, it's really about giving people perspective that everyone is struggling on some form. Yeah, you might have high performance in some areas of your life, but there's other areas that you need to work on, that you need to develop, that you could get better at, you know, that makes you a whole complete person. And it's just that human story of, hey, I genuinely respect you as a human being, as myself. I know you have struggles. I have struggles. Let's do this together. And if it's in entrepreneurship, if it's in health and physical fitness, it's like we can all partner to become our um, best selves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And let me ask you, because you have fittest games, you have, uh, you know, CrossFit Central and everything that I'm excited to see you guys build down there. And and now you've got the Amplify podcast. How are you able to manage your focus on the three distinct brands and projects so that, like you just said, you can show up as your best self um, and lead your team in the best way to be effective in those areas? You know, and I think it's all about the team and the people you surround yourself with. And and that's probably one of my, what I would consider one of my expertise in what I've really studied over the last decade is understanding um, individuals' personalities, their strengths, their weaknesses, and how to organize them, them around a task and a vision um, so it can work, you know, very well and the people can work very well together. And so um, I'm very, I'm a, you know, 30,000 foot type of person, the big vision. Um, and I know that I have weaknesses in task to completion. Um, and so I, a lot of people are like, oh, like, I'm not good at task completion. I'm not good at business. As I know, like, I'm really good at division. I'm going to bring the people that can do task completion. And I understand without vision, uh, you know, uh, there's nowhere that you're going. But without task completion, the vision is just a dream. And so um, I want to put the most dynamic, best capable uh, people around me that are passionate about what they do to execute. And uh, but I found if I'm not my best self, um, then you can't attract A players. And so as I reflect on when I'm my best, when I'm an A player and I can attract A players to my team, then we can move the ball down the field. And then on top of that, from an entrepreneur standpoint, is we have to build cash flow. And if we can build positive cash flow, we can employ the right people and build bigger visions and dreams and platforms now that can really scale and build you know, a team. And, and I think I've tried this in my previous um, ventures and some have failed and some have succeeded, but now I feel um, that I'm really equipped to, um, you know, have the biggest success yet. I love that. So we talked a little about what you're building and what's coming at the downtown location, but I'm, I'm curious what's ahead in 2017 for you outside of that. What what is a goal or something you've set personally and professionally that you just want to crush this year? Mm. You know, really, it's it's really setting the stage. So, so I used to be of the mind of set a goal, become obsessed over the goal, and do whatever it takes to accomplish the goal. And what I found is sometimes in our um, inferior wisdom – uh, we can have the wrong target. And, 
and and I'm again spiritual. You know, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's who I am, and that's what I I really seek now that wisdom. Um, and in my 20s, I've known that I got really wrapped up in my own ego, and you know, um, and I got really wrapped up in my identity and in CrossFit and learning, going through a lot of pain, learning that there's consequences to that. Now in my later years. I'm really um, what I felt that God has spoken to me through prayer and meditating is that uh, be obedient and diligent in um, in the small things. And uh, as I've seen this year open up, you know, God will add to you what is in his will as you move forward. And so my job right now and and, and I'm not saying this is for everybody because I think there's a season and a time for everyone. Um, But my season right now is to be obedient and diligent in excellence, right? And so what my what my big goals are is to set the stage for what is coming. And there's a great book called Carry uh, Water, Chop Wood. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but there's small chapters. There's a great book. Um, and I read, I think, the first six chapters of the book, um, and they're very small. But that was enough nuggets to put me on. And one of the chapters talks is, is a parable of a man that is a home builder and he works for a man and he's getting ready for retirement and um, and he's he's worn out and ready to move on. And the, and the owner of the company comes to the man and says, hey, I want you to build one more home. And he says, I don't want to build one more home. And it's like, I need you to build one more home. And so it's like, fine, I'll build one more home. And he goes to build the home. He's lazy about it. He doesn't build it to the specs that he traditionally would and all the excellence that he was um, as a builder. And then after he goes to his boss, say, hey, I'm done with the house, I'm retiring, I'm done, the boss turns around and gives him the key to the home, says, that's your home. And saying that just brings like shivers down my body in a sense of saying like, what I firmly believe now is whatever you're building today and you're moving into, because I know I'm moving into new opportunities in my future, um, however you leave your past experience, or move into a new experience, that experience of your due diligence and excellence will bring you into the new arena that you're gonna be in, right? And so what I know that I'm doing right now, and I feel that in what I feel like God's speaking to me on obedience is, um, I don't have any like grandiose ideas other than what I currently have to do it in excellence. And then if I do that um, in obedience, God's gonna bless whatever's to come in him because I wanna do, after doing what I wanted to do and now being able to do what the Lord wants me to do, like my, like the success I've had, and God has told me this, uh, and he doesn't speak to me in an audible voice, but um, I hear it, um, um, you know, I, it's in my, it resonates in me that uh, uh, I've done, everything I've done up to this point is in my, uh, uh, in my will, uh, and and it's not been the, vastness of success because I need to continue to turn over uh, my will to the Lord and and he will bless it because I believe that God has me as an instrument uh, to do some major things for the kingdom and for you know people just to help them you know and and all that stuff I've never really shared this with anybody uh, but it's good I love it man <laughs> no I, I love that and I, I was writing down that book as you were talking about it because I love that story and just that analogy of you know, what you've done and, and preparing for what's ahead. And, and so I think you've got a, a great grasp and 
focus for the coming year. And and so we talk on the show about being better than we were the day before. And so I'm curious from a day-to-day habit mindset, I know you do your breathing exercises. Uh, is there anything else that you do on a daily basis to either improve on what you did the day before, or perhaps rebound on those days that we have our setbacks? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of like the, the daily, uh, we call it like the daily dozen um, in my house. And it's like the key things that you can do on a daily basis that's going to build that residual. And so it's like if it's from waking up in the morning, like, uh, you know, no matter what, like a fundamental piece of every morning for me is a scoop of coconut oil. And so um, as I've done research on like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, top performers that, that speak, you know, tools of Titans like Tony Robbins or um, Tim Ferriss speaks about. Like one that I found in the health and wellness space, no matter what, for brain health and uh, healthy gut um, and overall, like, I mean, coconut oil is phenomenal. Um, I do, I take a tablespoon of coconut oil every single morning. And there's a ritual in, in that because a lot of people might be like, you got to do this and this and this and this and this. And it's like overwhelming. It's like my one thing that fundamentally in the morning is a scoop of coconut oil because I know that the health benefits of that are phenomenal for the brain health and long-term. And it's good for you today, and it's gonna be good for you when you're 65. And um, the studies on um, brain health for um, older patients, um, it's just world-class. So one thing that's fundamental is coconut oil. Uh, And so I really recommend anybody and everybody can do that. It's super accessible through Whole Foods or you know a healthy grocer. Um, So that's one thing that is, super crucial. Uh, and like you said, um, I do my breathing, um, on a daily basis, um, focused, meditated, uh, breathing. Um, I follow Wim Hof's, um, um, breathing cycles. I did his 10 week program. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. And then, um, you know, other than that, uh, something I've changed in the past 10 weeks that has been very powerful for me is, um, it's kind of like, you know, you get ingrained in these ideas because, you know, food is very important. And I was always told from or studied and read, you know, protein is just so important. Protein, protein, protein. Well, I'm kind of an all or nothing type of guy. And so I let like protein dominate my mindset when it came to food. So I just, that's what I ate, you know, for breakfast, eight eggs, you know, protein for lunch. It's going to be like, mass amounts of chicken, you know, it's going to be like post-workout, you know, protein shake. So my mindset was very protein oriented. And what I shift in the past um, 10 weeks, it's seen, I've seen a major shift in my overall health and wellness is I moved to vegetables first. So vegetable conscious mind, um, plus, you know, I'm doing the fats, the coconut oil. So when I think about food now in my thir- at 35, um, not a, a competitive athlete or, or anything. It's like, okay, where am I going to get? Uh, what's my vegetable source? Green leafy vegetables, and what's my fat source? And then a moderate to low amount of protein. And that's like, oh my gosh, that's like the like you know a cardinal sin in the space that we're in. Um, and and I've seen such great health benefits. So on a daily basis, I'm looking out for how will I consume a high volume diet in green leafy vegetables and then seasonal vegetables. And all the the, the study research shows 
you know, that that for overall inflammation, decreased inflammation, uh, um, the uh, alkalinity is going to be superior. And another thing I don't have on right now um, is my uh, blue blockers. Yep. Um, I rock the blue blockers. Um, you know, from aesthetic, it's kind of like that. Um, Wim Hof says, uh, uh, not ego, but we go. And with the ego, like if you were telling me where my blue blockers, like you just kind of look like a nerd. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but the benefits I get from wearing my blue blockers on a daily basis, because I think that I do, I haven't by, diagnosed with any eye um, issues in the sense of, you know, uh, but I know when I wear my blue blockers, um, I feel energized. I don't feel drained. I don't feel my eyes squinting. So, I mean, on a daily basis, I don't know what energy increase I get from wearing those, but, um, that's something that, um, I've been doing for the past year. Um, and I've seen phenomenal results. And now the studies, the more studies I'm seeing of the effects of blue light on any energy reserves and mitochondria and, uh, overall just like health, uh, it's tremendous. And so that's the thing that um, I encourage people to try, especially with the use of um, their cell phones. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, and that's the last thing I'll say. And um, uh, one thing that we've made a shift in my household is we um, moved the, the phones. Um, Simon, Simon Sinek, um, I think that's how you say him, the yeah. author of uh, Start With Why. He did those, I think, kind of viral videos in certain areas of, of um, millennials and phone use. Yeah. And, you know, um, I watch it. You know when you watch a video and you're just getting pinged? Like, he's like, you're addicted to your cell phone. And you're in your room. You're, you're in, the, in the office watching the video on your cell phone. You're like, oh. Uh. <laughs> you cringe. And you're like, that's me. He's like, you go to the restroom and you're, you're at the urinal and you're looking at your cell phone. You're like, boom, that's me. And it's like, you're addicted. You're addicted to the hormonal response of looking at your phone for value or not. And, and that was like a big, and, and I, and so I turned him, I told my wife, watch this video. And she's like, you know, and it's like your significant others, like the next thing she sees me is like, you're addicted to your cell phone. <laughs> and you're like, like, I didn't give you a stone so you could throw it at me. <laughs> I was like, this is obviously me admitting that I'm addicted. So Anyways, from that, we've moved the cell phones out of our room. Uh, we now have an alarm clock that I wake up to in the morning. She gets to wake up to the kids screaming. Um, our baby girl uh, was a little bit different. But uh, what I've seen with that shift is I would say I would say minimum 25% less screen time because I'm not on it in the morning or in the evening when I'm going to bed. And uh, because you can get sucked into your cell phone at the, uh, in bed for an hour. Easily. And be like, and and if you cut an hour of screen time, that and it's the funny thing I look at, if I'm on the phone for an hour and I wake up at four thirty or five a.m. the next morning, what on social media has changed within <laughs> that time? Nothing. Nothing. Right. Nothing. But you're back on it in the morning, and um, and so I've seen like not looking at my cell phone for ten minutes before I have to get out the door, I'm calmer. I'm not as as rushed because I got to grab my food and this because I was sitting there not moving forward with you know my task. So, anyways, those are some things that I've really changed um, that are my daily habits. That um, I just make sure that I'm wearing my blue blockers. I'm breathing. I eat my and these are simple things. Yeah. Uh, that kind of go in my daily. That I know my life will positively compound because of those behaviors.
Dude, I love that. You know, I started using those blue blockers at night. If I'm ever working into the evening, um, and I just noticed a massive difference in rest. And like, there's some nights, I mean, you know it as a entrepreneur, like your brain doesn't shut off. But for the most part, I'm able to relax and get a better sleep than I am when I'm looking at a cell phone for 30 minutes, 40 minutes before bed or working at all. So I, I love that. Um, that you're doing that. I love the idea of putting the cell phones in the other room too. Like I've started talking to, you know, our mutual friend Jeff Woods about not checking email first thing in the morning. Cause usually your cell phone's right there. You roll over, you turn off your alarm. You're like, ah, oh, check email. And then your brain starts running with everything you've got to do that day versus what you need to do that day. Um, and so that's been a big help. I, I loved hearing that, man. So this has been a lot of fun. It's been a, a pretty real conversation. I love the fact that you were open to share a lot of that stuff. If people want to connect with you further online, uh, where can they find you? And, and then how can they connect with the podcast as well? Yeah, you know, I think my primary social media is Facebook. Um, and then, you know, I get responses on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter as much as I had been in the past. Some days I have like a spurt of like nine tweets and then I'm gone for like three weeks. Um, but and also so Facebook and Instagram is primary um, that I'm on those handles and then uh, yeah from there CrossFit Central in Austin um, Amplified Amplified Podcast um, is our uh, website and um, we're on iTunes with that um, we have I think over 26 27 um, um, uploads on there so far so uh, yeah we're I think we're just after the fittest games this year I think that we're really gonna see that. Um, vehicle really start to move um, dynamically. So, yeah, those are areas people can get a hold of me for sure. Awesome, and, and this will go live uh, early February, so just after the fittest game. So about that time, you nice. guys are going to be ramping up. So perfect opportunity. We'll link to Jeremy in the show notes. Man, thanks so much for joining. Awesome, thanks, Jake. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. To connect with the show, visit us at betterthanyesterdaypodcast.com. Do you want to leave us a note, provide feedback, or just get in touch with the team? You can do so by leaving us a review on iTunes. Yes, we do actually read them. Contacting us through our website or emailing the show at podcast at competeveryday.com. To connect with our team, you can find us at Compete Every Day on any social media channel or connect with me directly on Instagram as at life is worth competing for or Twitter, Jake underscore T4. I appreciate you tuning in and investing some time into our show. So until I see you back again next week, keep competing.